are listening to the Careers BU podcast, the podcast aimed at Bournemouth University students and graduates. Each episode, we talk to employers, alumni and professionals all about their career journey, what employers are looking for and help you explore the opportunities that are available to you. Hello and welcome to today's episode. I'm Amanda Fripp, Careers Advisor at BU. In today's episode, I chat to BU alum David Burnett, founder and director of the virtual reality company Invidar. David talks about how he made the most of his time whilst at university, and we discuss his journey from graduating in games technology to building a successful business that specialises in real-time 3D solutions and immersive technologies. So hi, David. Thank you for coming on to the episode today. Do you just want to introduce yourself and where you're from? Yeah, uh, so I'm David Burnett. I'm a BU alum, uh, and I'm from uh, I'm founder of the director of Invidar. Uh, I also work for a few other companies. So I uh, lead technical artists at Treehouse, and I'm also head of digital execution at Channel Assist. How do you fit that into a five day week? That sounds very busy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, you don't. You just got to um, you've just got to keep doing more than most. I think um, that that's going to repeat a little bit today. You know, just take up op- as many opportunities as possible. I think um, I'm a true believer in almost working as many hours as possible in your 20s to kind of not necessarily retire at 30 but um getting as much done in your 20s while you can as possible okay cool okay so can we just kick off can you tell me a little bit about your educational journey to date yeah so um i'll go back a little bit further so i'm originally from sort of the hampshire area so um i studied in hampshire school at test valley um got my few gccs i only just scraped what i needed to get into college um, but as soon as I got into college, I knew I wanted to do something a bit more hands-on, a bit more vocational. So I went into a BTEC at Basingstoke College of Technology. Um, and from there, all the way up into where I am today, I've really flourished. So um, as soon as I got to BCOP, uh, doing uh, Level 3 BTEC in Creative Media Production, which was uh, in brackets games development. So very kind of on point for what I'm doing today, which is real-time 3D technologies. Uh, while there, I studied, you know, quite hard and as I said I come back to doing more than most I was also the student president there for two years and also a student governor um, and I went on to do a number of awards there as well uh, including the Basingstoke Place to be Proud of Awards so um, I did a lot of college just again taking every opportunity I could to excel and to do just basically anything I can get my hands into um, it's quite an amazing time I also got to travel during that time as well um, but really it kind of laid the groundwork for what um, I wanted to do or kind of figured out what I wanted to do because I wasn't quite sure again uh, so I actually spent the year out between college and university just saying, you know, actually, is this definitely want to, what I want to do? I also worked during that time, earned a little bit of money, sort of got that kind of working in a retail store job. Yep, this is what I want to do. I want to go into it and really give it my all. So unfortunately, that also mean I had had my grades at the point so I could really pick what colleges I want to go to, uh, universities I wanted to go to. Uh, and that ended up being uh, Bournemouth University after looking around a few colleges and for me personally that was down to mainly the modernization of the facilities there uh, and the course itself being certified by the industry body so there's always a couple things you should probably look out for when looking for courses and that's you know making sure that you know facilities are what you need to be how's the life like are you going to enjoy your time there uh, both personally and academically um, and then what's your course certified by, uh, by? you know, so for us, it's Tiga. I think we also had Yuki in at one point for the games development course, or sorry, I should say the games technology course at Bournemouth University, which has now changed into games design and games programming. Slightly different now to how it was back in my day. Um, I say that, but it was only eight years ago I started. So uh, I graduated four ago, so it wasn't that long ago. Um, but yeah, just checking out what's uh, making sure it's right for you and uh, spending that year actually allowed me to 
go and redo that. But again, going to Plymouth University, it wasn't just that. I had all the opportunities to go and be a senior student ambassador. I worked, you know, during the marketing department there as well. Uh, I also worked with local schools doing outreach. Uh, I was one of the Shaw 2018 winners for highlighting undergraduates work as well. Uh, I got to do a short paper while I was there as well. Uh, Did three or four uh, student research assistant jobs. Uh, So got to do a bunch of work at Bournemouth University. Um, Again, just taking every opportunity um, I could to go and make myself employable or do what I wanted to do necessarily after after university. I also managed to complete a 63-week placement as well while there, which is just, uh, I don't know if anybody's uh, done that length of placement before, but it really... um, yeah. Where, where was that? I did a mix. So I did uh, did a uh, games design uh, for 39 weeks at BU, uh, BU alum game studio, working on psychological horror games. So learned, learned a lot there about how to build games. And uh, that gave me that sort of, uh, again, that industry experience, which is massively valuable to employers. But then I came back to Bournemouth University and did uh, an SR, SRA with uh, Dr. David John, uh, working on a project for the Girl Guides Association at Dudsbury INHL Fort. Uh, which they're still using to this day. We did a virtual reconstruction of the INHL fort, how it would have looked. Um, and that was a very cool project. So, uh, and also paid from the university. So coming back to work with the university and on a paid project, and that got me again, more industry experience. So, uh, and in total, that totaled up to um, the 60 plus weeks. So you so. really built built that experience. You really mo- made the most of your time while at Bournemouth University, didn't you? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Any opportunity that I think uh, you can find. I mean, for me, especially in, in kind of the story that I've had and what to where I am today, um, which I'm sure we'll go into, but it's all about doing more than just uh, doing more than most. Um, You need to make yourself um, more employable. You need to put yourself above the rest and it doesn't take more. That is, you know, 90% of the job is a turning up to, you know, your sessions, turning up to whatever opportunity you need to do, but also going out and taking on those opportunities as well. So, you know, that can be, being just a student ambassador and doing those, um, you know, doing those talks, giving those talks, you know, it gives you people relation skills, you know, talking and communicating to people. And it's also paid for you as a student as well. So it's, you know, brings a little bit of income. So it helps that side of it as well. But once you kind of get into those opportunities, you get to kind of snowball. I did summer breaks mm-hmm. because, uh, which is a, a student residential trip for disadvantaged pupils coming from schools that are looking at university. So yeah, I think it was year nines, tens and elevens upwards. Uh, for us, they'd come and spend a week with us at university based in the Cranbourne uh, mm-hmm. Halls of Residence over the summer. And we'd give them the kind of uni experience. We'd take them around to kind of show them lessons, uh, each give a workshop that week. And they'd live with us in the Halls of Residence to get an idea of uni life, mm-hmm. um, which was you know, massively satisfying. But it also meant I got to stay in BU for the summer. I would have never had that type of opportunity if I hadn't just done that initial kind of, uh, you know, student ambassador or uh, just kind of taking that first little step. Mm-hmm. So. Um, everything leads on to more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it really develops those transferable skills, doesn't it? Mm, most definitely. Okay. So, so you were founder of Invidar. Mm-hmm. What is that company? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? So Invidar is uh, a company that I founded during the pandemic. So I find myself being uh, made redundant right at the start of the pandemic. Um, so I decided to go freelance. And rather than just going self-employed, I decided to actually found my own company and do it that way. And we've grown to where we are today, which is... Uh, we've gone from being sort of one person on my own to sort of eight people. Um, five of those are, but 
used to be BU alums, uh, where a few people leave and a few people come back, etc. And specializes in real-time 3D technology. So really what we've learned from our courses at BU, so doing game technology, so taking the game engines, doing all the 3D assets that go into making that, all the development to getting that onto platform, and sort of tying it up into one kind of studio, but for the commercial and B2B markets. So we've had, uh, we've worked on projects for the likes of, you know, uh, Samsung, Sony's, uh, sort of Milwaukee's, um, and had some really good success in working in these kind of fields. And it's it's definitely a market that's growing and is needed research in. And yeah, it's just been a wild ride, just trying to deliver what we can or what we've learned, but in a commercial aspect. So that is, you know, that is delivering those products. It is showing off the these virtual events, which we've kind of landed ourselves in, uh, in a time where it's most needed, in a time where we can't do these physical events. We need like a virtual or digital twin of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we've kind of rapidly expanded and grown over the pandemic. And was this something that you've always, I mean, obviously you, you've, you've been studying games design. So this kind of field is something that you've always, I'm guessing, wanted to do. But the virtual reality mm-hmm. for kind of businesses and the commercial sector is where did that, idea come about i know you said it was during covid but kind of where was that light bulb moment that you went actually i'm going to do that instead of maybe going down the games design route uh, a bit of background on virtual reality i mean virtual reality has been around for years um, i mean it's being it's definitely being kept more than help, uh, sort of alive by the business business market and it's very strong in the consumer markets as well i mean the oculus quest 2 which is a very popular headset outsold uh, xbox a few years ago so you know people have these headsets you know, people in their, you know, kind of rooms and they're giving them gifts, etc. We're treating them as if they're, you know, typical gaming consoles or phones nowadays. So um, the market's definitely there, which means there's a drive for content, there's a drive for demand. Um, and once that platform is in place, it means, you know, companies are you know, wanting to develop applications for it. We see this in the virtual reality space. We now see this in the metaverse space where people are wanting their own slice of this to deliver to these consumers. But it's been around for years anyway. I mean, ever since the sort of 1950s onwards, there have been variations of virtual reality that we've you know seen. Uh, back from when we had like the, uh, I think it was the Futurama or some of the first ones where you'd sit in like a motorbike one and, and see and smell. Um, we had the KVR where we've got screens on the walls and you walk into that experience. There's been loads of examples of virtual realities uh, for decades. Uh, and now we're just seeing the kind of attainable version of mm. this. Um, you know, something that's more cost-effective, something that is obtainable for the for the masses, and then as I said, that just gives a platform for these these other businesses to deliver their content. And then for us, we during the pandemic, you know, no one could do physical events, so we found ourselves specialising in virtual events, and uh, we needed to do something again a bit more than most, a bit more than just a Zoom call. We want to develop a, an environment for them, um, and that's what we've kind of done for these companies. Um, so the project that we use all the time is Norwalk Hub. So we we built them, or we helped build uh, that particular uh, on that particular project an environment to showcase their tools in, um, because they couldn't show them off physically. So we built them a virtual job site, um, and that was an amazing success. Mm. And with the kind of the business development side of it, so obviously you are a growing business. How are you getting your new businesses? Is it through word of mouth? How are you growing your business? I think it's it's an interesting development. So, I mean, for me, when I initially started out, I knew I had a good LinkedIn presence. Um, you know, it's almost like having a good portfolio. You know, artists have ArtStation in our course, or they've got a website where they can show themselves off. For me, it was kind of making sure that LinkedIn was definitely there. You know, I've, I've had that since college and I've developed it. If you go find me on there now, you'll find that my 
it's quite well filled out. You know, I've got lots of endorsements on there. People have found me through there. I mean, I know from one particular client, they've literally Googled Unreal Engine Developer Bournemouth, and I'm pretty much the first link that isn't an ad. So, you know, so it's just making sure that your presence is is available. So, and it's always hard, especially when you start out as a as a first time sort of business owner or first time startup. It's actually it's one of the hardest things to build that client network to build those, those projects up. Um, and it actually took us about six months to find our initial project before we sort of had our breakers aware. We just made sure we delivered on that. And for that particular client, we're still working with them today, to this day rather. Um, and it's only because we were very honest with them about what we could deliver in the start and. Uh, made sure that we delivered on our promises back then as well. So you're building those relationships up. Uh, once we had that sort of project under under our wings, as it were, we had another project which was the bulk of our work for the last two years, uh, and that really has just pushed the team uh, size up massively. You know, they they gave us a lot of investment to build what they wanted. You know, uh, they were all six figure contracts, um, and really, you know, that that for a small company uh, is just is just huge to go from you know doing an initial project, you know. Uh, for a few thousand and then suddenly coming onto mm. a six-figure project that's really what's uh sort of made us uh sort of grow up as fast as we have because there's that demand because we have delivered because we have been honest with our uh with our clients and partners because we built those relationships up and that's that's all businesses at the end of the day it's just building up these these relationships it's not a case of just doing a project and then you know walking away you've got to develop those relationships you've got to you know cultivate them mm. so mm. and just kind of going back a little bit obviously when you grad when you graduated did you I'm just kind of like thinking about the timeline between when you graduated and when when you started up the business. Mm-hmm. Were you work? Did you work at anywhere else between that time? Have, did you gain other types of experience after you graduated? Yes. So coming out of university, um, there's a little bit of story to help that as well. So when I was coming out of university, I was planning to go on and do my PhD uh, with BU. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't get the job because uh, it was a match funded PhD. I, I lost out. So, um, but I went to then go work on uh, for another company. Uh, who offered me a job, um, but I was very fortunate because I hadn't been looking. That was a mistake on my part. I very much put all my eggs in one basket in doing that lead, and that didn't turn out, so I had to quickly go find that. But because I'd had such experience, because I'd you know put myself forward for these opportunities, they, they already knew me, so um, they fortunately offered me a job. I then went to work for them for 18 months until I was made redundant, uh, and that's when I then started Invidar uh, in 2020. Mm-hmm. So towards sort of March, May time, after a few months after leaving that job. So, so you did have time building up that experience, some of those skill sets. Yes, but not as a not as a business owner no. at all. I was I was just a three D artist there. So um, I still got industry experience. Don't get me wrong. You know, I was in there. I was building my. Own, I had time to do R and D and you know build up these experiences similar in some cases to what I've been building in my own company. Um, but in terms of actually running and building a business, none of that's uh, came from 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 that particular company so um, a lot of that came out of the business courses that i had that run alongside bu um within the games technology course um and i think they're massively valuable to this day they kind of went over how to tender yeah and how to write a business contract what taxation is etc what's you know what's ip just those kind of raw fundamental sort of understandings that i've taken forward into this business today and a lot of it's just been incredibly lucky as well. A lot of the people I've met at the start of the business, the people that I've worked with on the first project, again, who are freelancers, I still work with them to this day again. So again, building those relationships, not just with clients, not just with projects, the people that are freelancing onto it as well. They'll come and help you. They'll come and work for you. It's all about just being open and honest with those people and really building all those relationships up. Uh, the best one I had was actually someone who had actually worked 25 years in, uh, in the industry as a freelancer already. And they helped me sort of, you know, 
go through accountants and who I should be looking for, much like what we look at on the course, right, where you say it should be certified. Do you look for a chartered accountant? What do you need? Uh, you know, do you need a lawyer? Do you need someone to draft up a contract? Here's who's I've used before. Go get advice from there. So just speaking and having that little bit of mentorship at the start as well really helps. So finding so, a mentor or somebody who can guide you and give you a bit of support can help. It, it, yeah, I mean, if, if you can, uh, there are plenty of uh, societies at BU that will help you out with that. I know there's the Business Society. Um, there's also a couple of groups that I, I'll be announcing. So keep a lookout on LinkedIn because we're actually going to be supporting one of those groups uh, in Dorset, which is the Dorset uh, sort of startup and founders club. So they're going to be running locally meets. I know students come down to that. Um, there are pockets of industry out there. You've got Eagle Labs as well, which is based in Westbourne. So that's a placer an innovation uh, sort of office as it were so lots of startups in there people that can help out they run regular events as well Dorset Growth Hub um, there's there's plenty out there if you, if you know where you're looking so you know BCP also run a number of events as well so it's about doing more getting involved and just learning what's out there yeah and building that network yeah so what did you find in terms of the challenges of building a startup what challenges did you face and how did you overcome them? A lot of it was contract writing. It's just knowing what to trust, getting legal advice, it's, you know, staffing HR, making sure people are happy, what, what insurances you need, making sure we're profitable. We've, we've had no investment in Durham Vidar. We've been profitable since day one, uh, mostly because I've been on my own. And then, you know, obviously you started off and got those contracts and then suddenly we need staff. And that's been obviously um, crucial to Invidar's development. Yeah, in terms of challenges, it's just just learning from little failures. So you know, if we if we've missed a you know we've missed an invoice or we've you know uh, or we've not put that sale of works in or we forgot to put terms and conditions in, just you know being open and honest about it, just rewriting them or sending or explaining to them when when you have these hiccups, there hasn't been too many challenges. Um, obviously, during the economic climate that we're in now, that's been a bit of a challenge. Gone through, you know, we are in a recession. We are going through um, a very difficult time now. People are spending. Uh, consumers are spending less on uh, sort of products, as it were, and you know companies are starting to be more strict or smarter about how they're using their money. Um, so that means we have to adapt and make sure that we're smarter with the way that we deliver our pitches. So most of it is sort mm-hmm. of just rolling, rolling with it, and just learning from other little failures. So and a lot of that has come from sort of the contractual side of it, and just making sure that uh, all the sort of T's are crosses and the I's are dotted, as it were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. And it was interesting you said you didn't have any investment, no. did you? So um, that's quite an achievement. You've just built it up. Yeah, no, we had didn't need any investment. So, and it's one thing I would kind of encourage as well students to do if you know if they're not if they're not um, if they're comfortable when uh, to sort of start their own business if they've looked for jobs for several months just go out freelancing. Um, it only costs uh, I'm, not, I'm sure the costs are similar to same now, but it only costs twelve pounds to register a business. Uh, so we get it on company's house insurance isn't that much if you're on your own. Um, and um, yeah, with very little startup costs, you can you can start up a business from essentially nothing. Um, back when I started in Vidar, I was actually, um, I was actually, I've just started my master's at BU as well. So I didn't really talk about that, but, um, I, I subsequently dropped out of that, but I was on, a, I had a bit of student loan there that was sort of covering my rent. And I used that a little bit there to actually, you know, fund the name and, you know, get it registered and go from there. But initially, yeah, we didn't have any, any kind of investment. So, um, you know, just 
again, trying to get those projects in is always the hard step. But once you do get those projects in, you just got to make sure you deliver what you say you can. Uh, and again, when you do have those little failures, make sure you're honest with whoever you're speaking with, you know, building those relationships again. And it will just begin to snowball. Like the opportunities I've had, everything, you're just doing that little mm-hmm. bit more, it will just begin to snowball. Uh, and today, we know we've got a portfolio of people that we now work with that we can pull on or ask for or advice from uh, with that with that network. So Brilliant. Thank you. So in terms of if for students trying to get into virtual reality or maybe setting up a business within this field what sort of tips would you give them in terms of in terms of any business starting with field, just start um honestly you just just get going once you've got once you've got that name in place you know start advertising start building a brand from day one i've always had um a brand through through uh, university i had a, another, another brand called k73 uh, which i used a lot of i kind of used that as a brand on all of my work you know acting as if i was a business already before i was even registered but um and then i subsequently go and start in vidar but just start just begin there's there's no there's no right time necessarily to start a business there's no right time to start anything nowadays um but just get it registered so you can start on your journey essentially uh, once you've made that first step then you'll eventually see the sort of miles tumble as it were and in terms of people looking to get specifically into virtual reality, um, you've obviously got to understand the under, uh, underlying software. So we use sort of Maya and Autodesk to build all of our models, substance based detection, and that's kind of the asset creation pipeline. Uh, we then use game engines. So Unreal is the one that we use internally uh, and exclusively. Um, and that's used for all manner of things nowadays. I mean, we see that not just in games, but also in sort of serious applications, backdrops to film sets, um, you know, uh, uses green screen now. You see it in like the front of Westworld. I know Substance Painter and the models were in the intro sequence of the last season was all was all used for using that sort of software and technology. So there's numerous opportunities that you can get into, but you've just got to understand the software stack. It's like learning any other language. Once you learn it, it can be um, ubiquitous across multiple industries. So um, just learn the software and then all virtual reality is, is just a platform and there's just some small learning there. It's like building for mobile, like building for web. It always has its own caveats, but once you learn the understanding, uh, fundamental software, you can mm. take it anywhere. Mm. So yeah, so learning the software, um, getting started if you want to learn a business. And from what I think I've learned from you as well is really building those networks and taking mm-hmm. those opportunities. It sounds like that's something that you really made the most out of even if it wasn't directly related to virtual reality you still Mm -hmm. took out opportunities to develop skills and to meet people and it sounds like that was something quite key Mm. in your journey as well yeah i mean you've you've, it's it's taking about those opportunities and you know building those relationships up and not all those relationships work i will say that it sounds um as if potentially every relationship where every person we worked with has worked out it it hasn't necessarily you know there have been small failures of projects and that's kind of ended that relationship you know there aren't you know you're not gonna potentially get on with everybody but it is just taking any opportunity you can and really you know doing your utmost to make sure that you deliver on those projects and then once you've made that impression people will just uh continue to either use you or support you or recommend you uh through word of mouth and even in this even in the sector where it's sort of technical innovation it all comes down to people skills at the end of the day it all comes down to being communicated with people and you know just being really down at that human level uh, even though we're delivering something completely virtual Thank you so much. That's been really insightful. It's been so interesting just hearing about that whole journey of, you know, being at university, developing those skills and then building that business as well. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening today. Please remember to subscribe and follow so you can keep up to date with all new episodes.